This movie feels like, to me, I was thinking about this last night, this movie feels like in every aspect, somebody who was trying their best looked at another person across the room who was also trying their best and doing something else, go, hey, does this look okay to you? And that other person went, yeah, I think so. And then they just called that approved. Welcome to Mortified, the Friendship Quest, a podcast where two long-distance friends bounce media recommendations, all in hopes the other will like it. I'm Aaron. And I'm just a friar. And this week, we extend our spooky season with Van Helsing. Before we wolf it up with Hugh Jackman, remember you can help (laughs) us on Mortified, the Legitimacy Quest by subscribing to us on YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify, signing up for our monthly newsletter through the link in our show notes, or following us on Twitter and Tumblr at MortifiedPod. I love Aaron? It's all Hallows Eve, um, due to some unfortunate uh, realizations about the uh, storytelling methods used in the Digimon series. We are going to postpone that episode until we have enough time to fully digest the long form narrative that's going on in that program. Um, so instead, we decided to do something a little bit different. Yeah, uh, I was watching Van Helsing last night, and I tweeted about it, and you were like, "So." It's been a while since I've seen Van Helsing, and now here we are. Oh, it was really, we have to be honest with our listeners, the main draw was Hugh Jackman. (laughs) Yeah, we are a Hugh Jackman fan podcast, which is something we realized, uh, whatever the last Hugh Jackman thing we watched was. Uh, Was it Greatest Showman? It might have been. (laughs) Okay. Because he just has so much fun. And it's infectious to watch. And so, you know, we love Mr. Ackman and we love following his career. So here we are. Uh, yes. Um, and Mr. Ackman, as you called him, <laughs> um, has has done a great job in this here film. Um, Layla, when, do you, when was the first time you watched the 2004 Van Helsing? This was one of those movies that I have a very distinct memory of just like watching on my parents' couch when I was like probably sick at home from school or something. I was really into, well, I'll tell you why I watched it. Um, So when I was a kid, uh, I was really into the anime slash manga Helsing, which was completely age inappropriate for me. And I saw Van Helsing and I went, ooh, could it be? It wasn't, but boy, howdy, was it a gift. Yes. Um, Similarly, uh, I have a very distinct memory of the first time I saw this movie, which was in the car on the road to the national chess tournament. Uh, My my dad was driving me and some of my chess teammates, and we had one of those vans that had like a movie, a DVD player in it. Um, And, you know, some of the older boys had brought this movie. And I was like maybe 10 at the time, 9 or 10 when I watched this. So I was terrified of this movie it was you know i was like i was watching it to be cool with the the big kids but like i was so scared of it um and that's why i remember this and you know coming back like i was like okay i see why i was scared there's some like intense stuff going on here but now i can truly appreciate it as just like this wild i don't want to say campy but like very over the top melodramatic um you know action movie that is very typical of that you know mid 2000s era um, and I'm so glad we revisited it. Yeah, I think it takes itself just like a little bit too seriously for it to be truly camp. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
Boy, howdy, does that not matter? Because it's wild. <laughs> not at all. Um, do you want to try to tackle the plot summary? <laughs> Oh my god. Uh, I mean, yeah, sure. I'll voice. I'll voice your notes here. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so, the Vatican sends <laughs> Hugh Jackman to go kill Dracula before he can use Frankenstein's monster as a battery to give life to his sack children. Um, and if he doesn't go kill Dracula, then this family that has been trying to kill Dracula for 400 years is just going to stay in purgatory forever, I guess. Can we, um, Layla, what is your understanding of the Catholic concept of purgatory real quick? All I know about it is what Dante's Purgatorio had to say about it, which is it's just like walking up a mountain with your buddies, I think. That's interesting so i don't know man that's not that's not that's an artful way to describe it but basically what i learned in catholic school is purgatory is where you go to atone for your sins so like it is you know the promise of heaven if you're in purgatory great you will get to heaven eventually but you will it's like it is it is like hell though uh purgatory is the same as hell except there is the promise of heaven at the end whereas hell is just you're always there and you can't get to heaven. Um, so it's it sucks and it's like very terrible that these, this family would be condemned there, but also wild stakes for this movie. Uh, they tell kids that? Uh, they certainly tell high schoolers that. All right, that's, uh, that's a lot to unpack. Um, yeah, <laughs> anyway. so anyway, um, yeah, so they get stuck in purgatory. But the reason they would get stuck in purgatory is because uh, the ancestor of anna swore that his family would be stuck in purgatory unless he could kill dracula who is his son and dracula Mm -hmm. made a deal with the devil to avoid being killed um so basically this was a self-imposed punishment it was really weird he didn't have to promise that (laughs) yeah he could have just died uh and his family would have been fine um so they kill dracula's three brides um van helsing and anna this uh i guess ancestral vampire hunter lady uh they kill one of dracula's brides they discover her brother is being controlled by dracula because he's a werewolf um dracula's like i have a cure and anna's like we need the cure um and then that's uh a checkoff's cure because you later find out that only a werewolf a a werewolf a werewolf can kill dracula and oh no anna's brother has bitten van helsing so now he's going to be a werewolf oh damn me um so van helsing and anna fall into the old windmill where frankenstein's monster lives um that's from the prologue they try to take him to rome but get ambushed by the other dracula brides and they're stuck in Transylvania. Anna is captured to be traded for the monster. She gets to go to like a cool ball with all the vampires. And Dracula's like, be my bride. And she's like, no. But honestly, I think she should have taken the deal. Honestly, um, the greatest tragedy is that neither Van Helsing nor Anna team up with Dracula here at the end. Absolutely. 100%. Uh, Dracula is camp in this movie. Uh, so Van Helsing and uh, they go to the Dracula's castle. They find out they find the like secret door to Dracula's ice castle, and they go to the castle. And everyone has to like fight the brides and Dracula has a big action sequence and whatever. They have to save Frankenstein and oh, Van Helsing turns into a, va- a werewolf and he he's gonna kill Dracula. This big fight and it's weird. And then you know by the, they have to turn Van Helsing back by the twelfth toll of midnight because I guess. 
vampiric curses have a, a recognition of a human time system that's fun yeah yeah the thing about lycanthropy is it extremely dependent <laughs> on time zones it's extremely punctual lycanthropy mm-hmm. so uh you know he defeats dracula anna gets up there he accidentally kills her she stabs him with a needle before she dies uh and then he turns back and holds her in the funniest ragdoll way you could ever hold a woman uh anna dies and then appears in the sky like a force ghost uh and that's the movie (laughs) it is a wild film um but i think it is kind of a a fun ride the whole time like there's maybe one or two scenes in total where there is like a 30 second conversation beyond that it's just like action sequences and like very fast like this movie just fucking goes like the moment (laughs) that I just noticed that the scene that Van Helsing meets Anna, who is like, you know, their relationship is arguably the most important in the entire movie. That whole scene lasts 30 seconds before the fucking vampire brides descend and start eating people. It's just like, all right, sure. Why not? There's no room for, um, you know, reflection in this film at all. And it rules. Yeah, and the other thing I think I'll say about it is that this is not a film you should be watching by yourself. This is very much a get some friends in a room, and so everyone could call out a different wild thing that they spotted. Um, Because, holy shit, is there a lot going on on the screen at any given time? It's incredible. We get fucking uh, repeating crossbows. We get, you know, murderer Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, Ogre Man. We get Vatican PowerPoints. It's awesome. Oh, the Vatican PowerPoints are a lot. But you know what? I appreciate an organized bitch. So. (laughs) Listen, the Catholic Church is nothing but structured. (laughs) Shall we talk about the characters, uh, quote unquote characters in this great film? I guess so. I mean, we got to start with Mr. Jackman himself, uh, Van Helsing, Gabriel Van Helsing. Um, what did you think of him? Uh, very, uh, first of all, bitch can't aim. Let's get that out of the way. Um, Awful. Zero trigger discipline. Zero trigger discipline. Uh, can't aim for shit. Definitely a close combat kind of motherfucker. And yet nobody will let him do close combat. Um, he is very both trying to be suave but also trying to be like a funky little amnesiac and uh there's a lot happening and his hat doesn't fit good if i sound like i'm not making any sense it's because i can't like synthesize my thoughts about this movie aaron how did you feel about him yeah i mean he's very much like you know mid-2000s action protagonist like you know sensitive to a point but also like very edgy and like i'm a big strong man that loves to fight um that's about it he's he's fine and he says the bad lines that he's given with you know more gravitas than they deserve and that's what hugh jackman's for baby yeah i think i think we love hugh Hugh jackman for his earnestness and every project uh anna is yeah i think in the same vein as van helsing your typical uh leading lady for 2004 she runs around in a very wild like nomura style final fantasy corset and yeah it's a a, battle corset for sure yeah it's a lot uh uh very tight pants and uh a i think area inappropriate patterned uh shirt i kept looking at it and i kept trying to figure out where that embroidery was coming from i think they were trying to give it like a little bit of a slavic tint but i'm like i don't think that's correct um this movie 
feels like to me, I was thinking about this last night, this movie feels like in every aspect, somebody who was trying their best looked at another person across the room who was also trying their best and doing something else, go, hey, does this look okay to you? And that other person went, yeah, I think so. And then they just called that approved. (laughs) I I think you're 100% correct. (laughs) It's very much like, is this good enough? Yeah, probably. Hell yeah. I'm like, listen, I have 100% been there. <laughs> Same. I respect it, honestly. I think there's a place for it. Um, but so, yeah, Anna, she, she's, you know, she's like hot and she keeps offering Van Helsing a drink, but she's hard to get. So she's like, help yourself to the bar. Uh, mm-hmm. and, you know, she's she's soft. So she keeps trying to save her werewolf brother, even though Anna, that's not your brother anymore. You know, it's like that. It's mm-hmm. like that. Very much so. Like. I don't know if this is the the starting point for where, like, we need strong women protagonists that are exactly like the strong men protagonists um, in that they love to do violence, um, and that's it. Um, And, like, I I feel like this is exactly that era where it's like, yeah, women can kill people, too. But even then, like, for a famed vampire hunter, she's kind of incompetent. I mean, Van Helsing, I feel, is also a little incompetent. Like, <laughs> there's a sequence where he, like, stabs Dracula through the heart with a stake, and Dracula's like, yeah. And then it cuts to him talking to Anna, and Anna's like, do you think we didn't fucking try that, Van Helsing? It's vampire hunting 101. Of course we did the holy water with the stake, my guy. <laughs> Which is really funny. That's true. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's one of those things where I think maybe she should have gotten a cool new weapon from Carl. I think maybe that yes. would have helped her case. Uh, do you have any feelings about her or Velkin Valerius? Uh, Velkin's fine. Uh, you know, I, I think that Velkin is mainly in there to give her motivation, uh, which is, you know, that's good. Sometimes we need to kill a man to motivate a woman. Uh, and I think that's feminism. Yes. Uh, so <laughs> I'm happy about that. Uh, he, he's fine. Um, the ar- Arguably the real star of the show <laughs> Count Vladislaus Dracul. Um, he Ooh. is the most over the top in every way, and he fucks. <laughs> he's so funny. From the moment he walks onto any scene he's in, he's he's got a ponytail with like an artful uh, strand of hair hanging down every once in a while. If he's frustrated, uh, he wears all black as he should. Um, and he is there to give dramatic monologues while his wives uh, writhe artfully in the background with whatever emotion they're feeling. Um, like nobodies from Kingdom Hearts or like those inflatable things in front of car dealerships, but sexy. <laughs> they're, extre- they're extremely like Kingdom Hearts dusks, just like. <laughs> <laughs> So Dracula's whole thing is that he just like his emotions flip on a switch, and the best line he could possibly deliver was like, and uh, his wives after um you know the first batch of babies didn't make it, his wives are like try again, have you no hearts? And he literally jumps off a building to be like, I have no heart, no feelings, I feel no joy. No sadness. And it's the best monologue in the fucking world because he is clearly pissed off delivering it. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> oh, I, I love it. It's just completely 100% like melodrama. He's he's He is giving these lines what they deserve, which is like, you know, not taking it seriously whatsoever. And I think that rules. 
Now, you did mention you wanted him to team up with Van Helsing. Can you give us like a IMDb summary of that AU that you've got cooking? Okay. Um, you know, all, all universe, uh, Van Helsing takes the bargain with, with Dracula, uh, you know, after uh, Anna is, is killed. Um, it turns out Carl was a plant by the Vatican um, in an attempt to, you know, wipe out the, you know, the you know he tries to stab van helsing at the end with the stake he misses he stabs anna and he's like oh no i was i was sent by the vatican to to kill all these these creatures and he retreats to the vatican so now dracula and van helsing have to team up to infiltrate saint peter's basilica um you know we get a great funny sequence of them you know like needing help from um i guess this takes place in the what 18th century so i think the ottoman empire still exists so they have to enlist the help of some ottoman guy and they, they have like a a scene where they have to steal something from um oh, what is the mosque in in istanbul the the very famous one uh are you, the hagia sophia mosque yeah. um they, they they get some sort of secret weapon uh that has like or like a key you know they unlock the vault of, of saint peter's basilica and they have to they they do the assassin's creed 2 thing where they fist fight the pope uh uh which is you know that's all i could ask for do you think the pope has supernatural powers in this one? Oh, one hundred percent the pope is like definitely um some sort of maybe not i wouldn't say vampire because that's a little bit on the nose but like probably some sort of creature that uh, i'm trying to make a good pool um like maybe a dragon maybe the pope is a dragon and it's like oh that's why they're collecting all the tithes maybe the pope is a dragon yes exactly and then they you know Va- dracula van helsing you know carl realizes the error of his ways they all they all team up um and with the power of anna's ghost uh they they kill the dragon pope yes anna's force ghost has to make an appearance absolutely no i would watch this i would pay to watch this i think that would be great van helsing 2 road trip um fantastic uh you did mention carl how do you feel about our boy carl he's just a friar I mean, he is just a friar. I, I think he's good. He's he's a fine comic relief slash, you know, like uh, James Bond Q character. He's like, here's all my funky gadgets that don't make any sense in the 18th century, but whatever. Um, he has like a light grenade that kills a ton of vampires. He has the repeating crossbow. Um, you know, also what you pointed out that he is the guy who played Faramir in The Lord of the Rings. Uh-huh. Uh, and he also plays, uh, I want to say, Dionykes in uh, 300. He's he's the narrator of that movie, which mm-hmm. is how I re- recognized him. Like, that dude, like, is kind of great. <laughs> he rules. Um, and, and, you know, we, lo- we love a friar who's like, oh, well, I'm going to have sex with this lady uh, because, you know, I'm only a friar. I haven't taken the vows yet, so it's fine. And it's like, you know what? Sure. Um, I just, he, he helps make this movie you know continue to move along and he's a fine comic relief character absolutely i think he did a fantastic job uh what about the the wives anything other than them being sexy inflatables that's all that matters though they're you know they they do have some like very like silly like oh this man was 30 years old so his blood was perfectly aged and they're drinking his blood out of like wine cups and like his blood which is clearly fucking tomato juice because it leaves that residue (laughs) on the fucking cup it's really funny um you know none of them have really distinct personalities they're all just like horny and and love to murder and like that's great that's all i want their mouths are always open that's just like Mm -hmm. a facet of the vampires their mouths are always open that you have to be reminded every scene that they have fangs (laughs) and they you are get your money's worth out of those prosthetics you know what i mean Mm -hmm. i do like that when they go like 
vampire well i like two things so one when they go like full vampire i like that their jaws just like become unhinged i think it's very fun big big mm-hmm. long face i also like that to transform into their cool bat bat forms i guess they have to do a cute little spin with their little yeah, dresses they spin around and smoke goes everywhere it's it's great i love it's it a great transformation uh i think it's fantastic and this movie is great uh yeah um so like uh, Layla, we we've watched a lot of stuff for for this podcast, but like, I I struggle to think. I'm gonna as you're talking, I'm gonna look through our episode list and see if I can find another property that is from this era. But like, I feel like Van Helsing is like very typical of this mid 2000s era, which has like this corny CGI, these like this like edgy aesthetic, which is like, oh, they're a he's a you know he's a antihero because he kills people, but he's also good, and like I. Ah, I just was like, wow, this really was what movies were like back in the day. I mean, honestly, I think we've maybe hit this same vibe outside of live action films. Like, I think we've maybe found like some quintessential mid 2000s anime in our in our searches. But I think in terms of feature films, this is it. This is peak. This is the gold mine. This is what we feel because it was all like that. Like you brought up three hundred. That was from that era. Every movie from that era, like every big action blockbuster, had to be a couple of things. Like you said, it had to be edgy. You said bad CGI with the one-liners, you know? I think the other thing that we're missing from the quintessential mid-2000s movie soup is a healthy seasoning of it being visually disgusting. That's true. There wasn't quite enough, like, blood splatter uh, in this one. We got a couple, you know, like, when the babies explode, we get, like, green goop. Well, that's and, like, what I mean, though. It's very, like, squelchy. I feel like every mm-hmm. movie from this era had to be at least a little bit, like, goopy. Very wet. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Everything's wet. The So I just looked through our episode list, and I think that the, the property that this is closely aligned to, actually, is Code Lyoko. <laughs> That's what I mean. Like, we've hit, like, outside of feature film, like, we've really hit the quintessential, you know, quintessential nature of, like, Code Lyoko. And I think Death Note is another one that I oh, think so true. really hits that that time period. But in terms of feature films, live action feature films, like, this is it. So basically, we just need to find, like, a play and we'll just EGOT the mid-2000s. <laughs> oh, God. What? Hmm. Listeners, write in. What is the edgiest play from the mid-2000s that you could think of? Oh, Lord. Well, I'll tell you what it should be. It should be Hugh Jackman doing a musical adaptation of this movie, because Hugh Jackman does musicals now. I just... Do you think he hasn't tried? (laughs) Honestly, I would be shocked if he hasn't. That's what I'm saying. Like, I... Every other day, I hear some new wild thing about Hugh Jackman doing musical shit. (laughs) Mostly from you. Ding, 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 Hugh Jackman fact. Him and the guy uh, who plays Frankenstein's monster in this movie were both in a production of Oklahoma together. <gasps> oh my god. Oh, who was, who did they play? Uh, Hugh Jackman plays Curly, and I think that might be the lead because he's on the poster and his name is really, really big on it. Um, okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, that's perfect, actually. I can't think of a better place for Hugh Jackman to live than in the melodrama of Oklahoma. That's very, very important. Um, yeah, no, I just, this this movie really does have it all, like, especially, you know, the, I am flabbergasted by the 
the change in the quality of writing that we see, you know, just in 10 years from this film to something like Pacific Rim, where like, we still get like the, you know, over the top action sequences and like, kind of corny, you know, one liners, but like, Pacific Rim doesn't believe in them necessarily, or if it does, it knows exactly why they're being deployed. Like, fucking we are canceling the apocalypse is not something that any real person says but pacific rim doesn't really want to ground itself in realism whereas van helsing is like yeah you know this machine gun crossbow this is realistic because you have to reload it and it's like uh i don't i just i don't know why we just fired all writers for a decade but like you can tell that the writing is just so different in this era well they did go on strike uh, that, that is true. I remember that in what 2007, 2008. I want to yes, say they took one strike. So that was uh, that was you know pre. That was post Van Helsing. Post. I mean, yeah. like I feel like I would just start judging time in general as pre Van Helsing. Yeah, A V H. Yeah, that's our new time scale. <laughs> but, but I mean, like here's the thing I miss about I guess this era of movie making because you have a really great point. I think there cannot be a Pacific Rim without Guillermo del Toro seeing movies like Van Helsing and saying. I could probably do that better. Uh, Guillermo del Toro is the man watching the two other people being like, oh, this is fine. And being like, no, this isn't fine. You're almost there. I promise. (laughs) There's something there, which is a thing we love to say on this program. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think the thing I miss about like that era of movie making and like making media in general is that companies would just like try shit. Like, you have to try something like Van Helsing. Like, that's not going to be... You have to be very lucky for something like Van Helsing to be a, you know, hit the ball out of the park on the first run. Mm -hmm. But because Van Helsing collected some real rude reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, as we were looking yesterday, uh, you know, that way other action movies like this could thrive. And, you know, as we're sitting here in the age of reboots, which we'll get to that... um, it's just a bummer because I miss I miss I miss things being tried. That that's such a good point because like I know the name Van Helsing because of this movie, but like I guarantee you, the vast majority of people have not read Bram Stoker's Dracula, where the character originates from. Like I, you know, I w- I still have not and do not plan on reading that book. Um, and like, <laughs> listen, you know, like it is so interesting that they were like, you know, let's take this, you know you know, important but not well-known character from from Dracula and, like, trying to turn it into to something, like, a new weird franchise for no reason. And, like, I kind of love that, right? You know, we, we will talk about reboots, but, like, it, it is so... It is such a shame that we are not seeing more new things like this, even though that, like, this movie wasn't a flop. This was movie was a, you know, up... You know, it made about double its budget, which means, like, it probably broke even, which is, like great good for them well um, making I, double its budget means it means double its budget i thought it was like you have to be make double your budget to be considered to break even oh boy i am not a budgets person i'm pretty sure you i don't know movie fans chime in uh i'm pretty sure if you make back your budget you just make back your budget okay and that's enough i think you start making money after like in terms of royalties after you make back your budget but you just have to pay back your investors first Okay, I'm pretty okay. sure. Yeah. But like, you know, it, it is such it's such a rarity these days for uh, us to see, you know, you know, big 
blockbusters that that are completely original, right? You know, we haven't, you know, we're we're about to start getting new fucking Marvel movies again, and you know, uh, over on Bible Boys, we just watched, you know, the the Conjuring series, which continues to make movies because, like, and slanders bisexuals for a while. Oh, really? No, 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 not not the movies. I don't know. I've never seen the movies, and I probably won't because I've now listened to about six podcasts about that whole universe. And, Sorry. Uh, Michael, no, don't apologize. I was very entertained. But there was some uh, bisexual, not slander, loving slander in there for one of the episodes. And honestly, fellas, next time at me. Just at me. <laughs> uh, you're welcome for that. Um, but, like, yeah, I... You know, I hope that we are slowly emerging from this era. You know, I think we talk about this constantly. It's like, I just wish people would stop rebooting things. Um, and, and this does make me nostalgic for a time where people were just like throwing flops against the wall. Like nothing was like really popping off. Um, and like, but it was still original and weird. And like, you know, there was something to that, even if the quality of the writing was like pretty dog shit. Yeah, I try to like, I try to remember that. Whenever I get kind of down about all these reboots and, and live action remakes and whatever, I do try to remember that for a while the only movies we were getting were parody movies. Like there Oh was, my god, that was also emblematic of this era, wasn't it? Yeah, because you, you started out with Scary Movie and then Scary Movie got so successful that it was like they parodied 300, they did Vampire Movie, they did they had a ton of them. Uh, and yeah. that was forever and I didn't think we were getting out of that and it was about five years and then... Um, you know, we finally got some original stuff around the, like 2010s, early 2010s when I was uh, going to film school. Um, that being said, none of those properties really printed money like Marvel does. So like, who's to say how much longer we'll be, you know, living in, in this, uh, era of media. But I do, I, I think you're a hundred percent right. Like, it's just... There's something charming about these, like, weird properties that just were spaghetti thrown at a wall and, like, you really got to just watch it and be like, mm, damn, you, you had something, you really went for it. Not sure what it was, but I liked it. Um, and I think a lot of that is right now coming out of uh, movie spaces from, like, outside the U.S., I think particularly mm-hmm. outside out of um, Asia, East Asia. Yeah, I mean, we've seen Parasite, we've seen Squid Game, like, you know, South Korea specifically is is doing a phenomenal job. Exactly. Um, So, you know, this is an encouragement to watch those things um, and and just watch some people try some shit. Because it's, (laughs) if somebody gave me money and was like, Layla, try some shit, I'd be like, oh, oh, oh." I'm about to have a belt budget like Nomura. That's the thing. Like, I feel like if we got, you know, this movie's had a budget of $160 million. If somebody gave us $160 million, we would make something wild that barely anybody liked, but it would still be fucking crazy. And, like, (laughs) that's what I want to aspire to. We would make the Dragon Pope movie. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Uh, And it would be completely incomprehensible, but it would fuck, is all I'm saying. Listen, Universal, hear me out. Uh, Warner Brothers, uh, 20th Century Fox, uh, whichever one of you bitches is left, hear us out. Uh, we want to make a movie about a pope who is also a dragon, um, who gets punched in the face by a uh, vampire, vampire hunter, werewolf, uh, buddy cop duo. Uh, call us. Uh, we'll have a treatment ready by next week. Trust us. It'll be good. Um, 
uh, something that's even more uh, fascinating to me than the, you know, the mid 2000s era of filmmaking is perhaps the career arc of Mr. Jackman, um, which I, I understand you have some research uh, to, to enlighten us about. But like, it is so wild that like, you know, Hugh Jackman for a long time was known for making, you know, for being Wolverine in, in all the X-Men films. But like, he, he, Wolverine really isn't his defining trait. His defining trait is doing wild, weird shit. Um, and, you know, we, we talked about, you know, this in Greatest Showman, but, like, Mr. Jackman is just really out here with some stuff. Mm-hmm. And not just as an actor. Um, I would like to take us back to just post the Van Helsing days uh, in the year of our Lord, 2006, um, the year that gave us Death Note, uh, and me in sixth grade. And uh, Mr. Jackman, executive produced a television program called An Aussie Goes Barmy. What? Yes. Uh, that is a television program from 2006 that is a reality show about cricket. Mr. Jackman. What? executive produced that okay <laughs> uh he similarly produced in 2008 and aussie goes bali which is a cricket documentary with you jackman in it okay all right <laughs> yeah he narrates it and it's his friend who plays cricket is is the star of it so um there's also in 2009 wait for it we're not done with the aussie series it's the aussie goes calypso what? <laughs> uh, and it's another thank you, Jackman narrates. Um, so, you know, we love that for him. Uh, okay. Mr. Jackman uh, had a couple of roles before. Uh, we, we mentioned Oklahoma. He was just doing kind of whatever. A lot of television roles, actually, before he hit his X-Men uh, uh, stride. So he only did X2 X-Men United before doing Van Helsing, and then he did a bunch of other um, X-Men films. Um, Mr. Uh, Jackman has lent his vocal talents to several animated films, among which are Happy Feet, <gasps> Flushed Away, What? And Rise of the Guardians. Oh my god! We know him also as Jean Valjean in Les Miserables. Of course, naturally. <laughs> naturally, of course. Uh, as we said, he's also in uh, Oklahoma. He loves himself a, uh, you know, a musical. Um, we've covered uh, The Greatest Showman on this program. Um, I would like to also let you know that there is... A the greatest showman colon come alive dash live performance that is on video that was recorded the same year as Love Never Dies 2017 oh that God. is available um, and let this be uh, as I wrap us out of of a little bit of a dive into I'll say a gloss over the career of Mr. Jackman um, a little bit of foreshadowing for this program. Listeners, he did play Blackbeard in Pan, which is a movie we will be watching. So, <laughs> oh 
Y'all, I cannot wait for that horrible, horrible day when we finally watch the Pan 2015 film. Yeah, so that'll be probably early next year because we've got November plotted out. Uh, in December, uh, long-time listeners will know, uh, we do some, some fun end-of-year stuff for two weeks in December, and then we take two weeks off. But when we come back, Pan time, baby. Oh, we'll, we'll, we'll have... God, we will be singing and dancing with Mr. Jackman and Pan for sure. Um, God. Also, really quickly, we cannot let this pass. Um, at the end of Van Helsing, we learn that the the director uh, leaves a little note in the credits. Mm-hmm. Uh, he mm-hmm. says, dedicated to my dad. <laughs> Um, which, like, I don't want to make fun of somebody dedicating their creative work to, you know, a, a, a deceased family member. But also, I think it is a little wild to dedicate the Van Helsing movie to your dad. Um, Layla, mm-hmm. what do you think is the best way to dedicate your work to a loved one? Oh, I think it's this. <laughs> okay, you personally think this actually rules. Oh, personally speaking, honestly, after I die, I, I need to make some filmmaker friends who will dedicate some wild shit to me. Um, because you know what? I think I hope this man's father, this director's father, I genuinely hope he supported the craft. You know what I mean? Like, I think I hope he knew that his child was up to some wild fucking shit in Hollywood and that a movie that made back its budget and then some was dedicated to him. You know, like, father, here I am. I've come so far. Um, I've made Van Helsing and Hugh Jackman is in it. He's not that big right now, but boy, howdy, will he? He Uh. will be. Uh, So I think this rules personally, and I hope that I get as wild of a dedication after my passing. Aaron, how do you feel about it? Do you have, uh, how would you have dedicated? I just, I don't know that I have that kind of relationship with my parents that I could dedicate, you know, something this personal to to them um oh you think this was a personal labor of love oh yeah for sure uh uh, i i just know i i feel like if i was making a van helsing movie i my parents would not be thrilled that i dedicated it to them um but um i i you know as somebody who is an aspiring author i you know i do often think about like you know how i would dedicate a book to to someone or you know a concept or whatever um and like, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know how I, I would pull it off. I, I do, you know, I, I think like if I did dedicate something to someone, it would probably be to my wife. Um, but I am wondering, Layla, of your work, specifically, I'm thinking of Astral Heart. You know, who do you think is the most appropriate person to dedicate Astral Heart to? Uh, it would be uh, Mr. Nomura. And no, sorry, <laughs> it would also be Rumiko Takahashi. It would be for those two people. Um, Great. And Good. Kota Hirano, who wrote Helsing. It would be those three. I keep thinking of, like, anime that influenced me as a child. But I think that uh, for the melodrama, I really owe them something. Um, so it would just be, like, a blanket thank you to my heroes. You will never see this. I think that would be the dedication. <laughs> that's that's incredible. Um, all right. We, we talked about it. We hinted at it earlier. They are rebooting this movie. So. Yeah, so tell me about this. I'm going to read straight off the Wikipedia. So in May of 2012, uh, Universal Pictures uh, announced they were going to be rebooting the film. Um, They wanted Tom Cruise to be Van Helsing, which like, mm, all right. Tom Cruise could be Dracula after his performance as Lestat in uh, 
Interview with a vampire. Interview with a vampire, yeah. yeah. That's that that could be good. The problem is is that uh Cruz played you know what was in the mummy the 2016 reboot you know we were actually considering watching the original mummy for this one but you know you probably only know the 2016 mummy from that trailer that dropped without uh you know proper sfx editing uh and it was just wild um but like yeah apparently that movie didn't do good and because everybody was like oh that movie sucked um you know we're, you know maybe they're not gonna bring van helsing back into their monster verse for a while but in December of 2020, it was announced that the reboot was back in development. Julius Avery will serve as director, uh, in addition to doing a rewrite of an original script by Eric Pearson. James Wan, of the Controverse fame, will serve as producer. Um, so, um, yeah, keep your eyes peeled for Van Helsing 2, still Helsinging. Um, James Wan, who is, by the way, out there just trying shit. Yeah, I mean, that's an exa- a very good example of somebody who's just like, I don't know, let's just keep doing shit. Like, you know, at least the uh, first couple of Conjuring movies, pretty original. And you know what? Good for James. Uh, I'm glad that he's he's going to be spearheading this project. Yeah, and his new movie, Malignant, which uh, one of my uh, favorite YouTubers got into, Kenny J.D., K-E-N-N-I-E, uh, she did a, a wonderful recap of Malignant's. I uh, did not know that what that movie is about is what it's about, and it is fucking crazy. So uh, I sure do hope, listeners, that this one is also wild. Yeah, yeah, we will. Uh, you know, we we just did a whole thing about reboots uh, being terrible, um, and, and you know, I think there's a difference, right? You know, Universal Pictures is, is a big company, but like, there there is something to be said for supporting the people that isn't that aren't Disney. <laughs> Um, you know, like I, I try to watch those MonsterVerse movies, uh, mostly because, you know, we love kaiju shit, but like, you know, also I do feel like, you know, not to say that supporting Universal is some sort of like anti-capitalist move by any stretch of the imagination, but, um, you know, I'm not too, I'm, I'm mostly just worried about monopolies and I do not think Universal is, you know, too, too big just yet um so i'm interested to see how they're they're going to play this out i i I don't know if they can do it quite in the same way with the same flair uh as as the 04 helsing but you know we'll see i have i'm cautiously optimistic yeah i think the heart of the matter is very much like are you rebooting a successful property to keep pumping out money right so like the Disney reboot, rebooting the Disney classics as live action, like those movies made a ton of money. You can just re-release them in theaters. They will make a ton of money. But instead they had to go and make whole new movies about it for, I don't know who the audience is for those to be quite honest with you. Um, but, and, you know, then there's a difference between that and taking a movie that uh, had a lot of potential and was insane um and trying to give it like new life i think i don't really love the idea of either um but i think there is a place for it like i am definitely excited for the coder remake um the knights of the old republic the star wars game that aspire is doing um like i'm super excited for that even though again reboots and i are like on shaky ground at best i think we should say uh yeah yeah it's we'll see We'll see what comes out of this, but uh, yeah, you know, I, I thought this was a good, you know, we were we were in a little bit of a pinch, but I think we pulled it off. Uh, no, we'll we'll see, we'll see what the future holds for Van Helsing, and then we'll certainly see what the future holds or the past at least held for Mister Jackman uh, in in the new year. But um, yeah, I thought I thought this was a fun one. 
yeah, I'm delighted that uh, you watched it. Uh, I am. It truly. What a movie. What a flick. What a flick. Certainly. Um, Layla, we're not, uh, you know, equivocating about whether or not we think reboots are great. Uh, where can people find us on the Internet? At L-E-Y-L-S-E-S on Twitter and Tumblr, where I just am, I guess. Um, I just moved on my essays over to Kofi, as I said in the last episode. Uh, they're vibing there. They are free to read. But if you want to tip me, you can. I think my next one, I am debating, uh, given that I am rewatching a bunch of like early 2000s anime right now uh, with various friends. I am debating writing about uh, Kagome Higurashi and why she's a perfect protagonist. Um, we'll find out. Aaron, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at AaronSXL, where I talk about tabletop RPGs and health policy. You can listen to the other podcast I do at The Bible Boys, where we will be, uh, you know, continuing our vampire theme with Midnight Mass. Uh, that'll come out on Wednesday. Um, you know, you can download the uh, Exorcism tabletop game that I wrote, uh, I Adjure You Ancient Serpent. I'll put a link to that in the episode description. That's also on my itch.io at uh, AaronSXL.itch.io. Um, and, um, yeah, I also think I'm going to write an essay about Midnight Mass, specifically about its themes of reconciliation and forgiveness, uh, just because that, that one really hit home for me. Um, so keep an eye out for that. Uh, hopefully I'll have that done and I'll post a link to that in the show notes. Um, our theme song is Obsolete by Keshko from the album Filmmaker's Reference Kit Volume 2. You can find more of their music at keshko.bandcamp.com. Oh, Layla, uh... I mean, what what should we say to them, our listeners, uh, as we close out this episode? You know, how do we wish them? I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> hey, Aaron, the fact mm-hmm. that you're fucking up our outro right now, I wish you a week in hell for that. <laughs> it would be a nice reprieve. <laughs> We'll see y'all next week. <laughs> <laughs>